0: Okay, I had a lot of text messages about the fact that you could see Duran, and I couldn't. So I'm gonna try this again. And I hope that it's not just my phone that doesn't work. Oh, perfect, perfect, I got a request. Yes. Okay, hello. Hi everyone, thank you for coming back. Thank you for now. (gasps) Uh, uh,
1: Yes, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Like, am I that bad at technology? I can't figure this out? Oh my God. (laughs) It was definitely me,
0: because everyone saw you and I could not see you. Mm -hmm.
1: So thank you so much. Hi, how are you? It's so good to see you, Barbara. Happy New Year's. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy Holidays. Hello, 2021. Woo, yes, thank you. Happy holidays to you as well. Thank you.
0: So I'll introduce you a little bit. This is my friend, Doreen. She is an incredible person. She is a hair loss hairstylist and a fellow trickster. So today we're going to talk
1: about her trichotillomania journey. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me on and congratulations on Trick Talks. I'm like super excited to see the other people coming on later. And thank you for amplifying mania voices. I mean, this is, you have an incredible platform, love your book, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So let's get started. So um, at what age did you start pulling? So I started pulling out my hair at the age of four, so I honestly don't even know like, remember what it's like to not pull out my hair. Um, when I was four years old, I started pulling out my eyelashes and my eyebrows. And at that age, um, my mom took me to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician said, Hey, I think she's having allergies. And I think that's why her eyes are irritated, and I think that's why she's pulling out her eyelashes and her eyebrows. <laughs> So it went like that for a few years, and then in the second grade, I, like, vividly remember the day my hand moved from my eyelashes and my eyebrows over to my left hairline, um, and I pulled out some hairs from my scalp, and, like, the rest is history. I've been eyelash, eyebrow, and scalp puller, um, and I have been pulling for over 20 years at this point so at that point we were able to get a trichotillomania diagnosis um and I've you know done pretty much all the things like I've been to a lot of different doctors and specialists for trichotillomania um and you know tried counting hairs fidget toys journals everything and still a hair puller today um I recently posted and like at the end of last year I was able to kind of get a full set of eyelashes again for the first time Um, Which is super exciting because I haven't had a full set of eyelashes since I don't even know when. Um, But that isn't to say that like last year I didn't also see a lot of increased hair pulling and um, from what I can see from like other tricksters and you know my clients who have trichotillomania last year was like a really hard year for a lot of people with BFRBs. Um, So my scalp pulling was like at the highest it's ever been. So yeah.
0: How did you first get that diagnosis? I know sometimes, you know, personally, I went to therapists who had no idea what trichotillomania was. Did you have to go to a few before you found out?
1: So besides the first one um, who said that I had allergies, um, honestly, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you I was so young at the time. I mean, I was like eight years old when I first started pulling from my scalp that I have to say that my mom was really sort of took the reins on a lot of that process. Um, and I will say that over the years I've been to doctors, like, you know, I went to like an eye doctor once and, um, sort of had to explain why, like I had missing eyelashes and, oh, it's trichotillomania. And in those moments where maybe you're going to other specialists, I've had to encounter, um, professionals, medical professionals, not knowing about trichotillomania. Um, but I would say that like my entry point with therapists and all of that, my mom really took the reins because I was a child. mm mm-hmm. Who was
0: the first person you felt really comfortable telling about your trichotillomania?
1: So, um, obviously my mom, because she was sort of the one that was helping me to navigate that process. I would say that honestly, even with my immediate family, I didn't really feel comfortable talking about it for a really long time. And, um, that extends like, you know, my dad, my sister, my brothers, I mean, we talk about it, but it's not something that's really like shared and, you know, they don't really ask me and I don't really talk about it with them unless, you know, there's something that comes up. So I would say it's as I've begun to sort of become a little more open about my experience um, with the world through things like Instagram and through my job that I've really started to open up about my experience with trichotillomania. Um, I do remember when I was really young, I had, you know, like a few like really, really, really close friends who I told uh, but I mean, I can count that on like less than less than five fingers. Mm-hmm. So it's it was really one of those things where I got so close to someone that it's like I really I want you to know this about me because mm-hmm. it's the thing about me that I want to share.
0: Yes, and when I first started Instagram, I saw you and you know you had shared pictures and stories, and your in your profession also has to deal with hair loss. Um, what made you want to be so open on the internet? You know, that's like you know strangers you know for me that was scary so I you know I was inspired by you seeing you being so
1: open yeah so I mean I I guess my journey with like being open about my trichotillomania um probably started right after I graduated college I um you know was sort of at that moment where you're sort of like what am I going to do um I was I had a job at a museum and I was like an arts and anthropology major in college and love the arts, still do today. And that was sort of where I thought I wanted to land. And I got to that position and I was just kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I had like a few different moments where I thought to myself, like, you know, I think it's these moments of transition where it's like you think – this has been my deepest darkest secret for so long and in many ways it feels like it's like completely transformed everything about my life and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know for so many years i kept it so private and so it felt like i was the one struggling with everything and all you know all of this was like in my hands um so it felt like in that way it like constructed or you know everything about like my own narrative and the world around me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so the place where i was like i really You know, I've done this for almost 20 years at that point. I was like, I really don't want to spend the rest of my life um, living this way and feeling like this is like my deepest, darkest secret and like, you know, the darkest part of me. So I would say that was a big part of it. And then um, I, in that process, I sort of came to the realization that, you know, my darkest secret could maybe be like my gift and maybe what was really dark, maybe could really be a positive. So that was the moment where I was like, you know what? I wanna go to cosmetology school. I wanna become a hairstylist for people with hair loss. To be perfectly honest, like when I started cosmetology school, I got an Instagram. I didn't even tell people why I was going to cosmetology school. Like people, I still wasn't talking about my trichotillomania to other people. And so, you know, I like, you know, had gone to college, was in a museum, then I started cosmetology school and everyone was like, why are you going to cosmetology school? And it's like, I wasn't open about my trichotillomania at that point. And it really became like, as I started talking about it, it's like practice makes perfect. And Mm -hmm. as I started meeting more people online, you know, I started meeting people in person. Like I had never met another person who openly told me they had trichotillomania. I think that first time meeting someone, you're like mind blown that there are Mm -hmm. other people out there. Even though you know the statistics, it's like mind blown. Um, so it was one of those things where, like, slowly it became easier. But, you know, I have to say that, like, I started this when I was four. Um, I struggled with my trichotillomania for almost two decades before I got to the place where I was like, I'm ready to be open about this. And then mm-hmm. I just slowly became more and more open.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's so important because same with me, you know, I was 27 and I was like, okay, like now I want to talk about it. And so I hope that when we do talk about it so openly um, and share with the world and in the internet, that younger people, you know, they they might be inspired to do the same thing because, One you half- know, if this back when we were younger, I'm sure, you know, things would have been a little different. Um What is some advice you would give another trickster being that you've had trick
1: for, you know, over 20 years at this point? So I would say that you are not alone in your journey. Um, And that, so you're definitely not alone in your journey. I think that, like I said, like, a lot of at least for the trichotillomania and even hair loss dialogue is really 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 internal so like for me with my trichotillomania even little things like you know i'm pulling and all that you know i hear a voice in my saying like head saying like one more hair one more hair you know one more hair won't be all of those sorts of things it builds up and i don't think we realize it but it builds up to make it feel like this is we are the only ones dealing with this and mm-hmm. i think finding a community, finding others. And I know that it's so hard. I mean, like when I was younger, I wouldn't even write the word trichotillomania down, like in a journal, because I was afraid that someone was going to find it. And like, oh, my God, if that happened, you know, I wouldn't (laughs) like nothing, nothing. So I understand how difficult it can be. But I do have to say that since I have started talking to people about it more, I mean, I know there's a lot of really great support groups on Facebook. Instagram has a really fantastic hair loss and trichotillomania community. I was lucky enough before COVID started um, to do um, support groups in Houston with both kids and adults for trichotillomania. Like finding your community, you know, I think that we – we think it's our internal struggle. And even though our journeys are a little different, I mean, you know, I've pulled from my scalp and my eyelashes and my eyebrows. And then you meet someone who only pulls from their eyebrows or only from their, you know, it's our journeys are a little bit different, but it's just good to know that someone else understands a little bit about what it's like to have trichotillomania. So that would be my, my advice is find your community, find someone else and reach out because I really think that the, I get DMS all the time saying like, how do you accept it? How do you forgive yourself? Like all it really, down to me starting to speak openly about it and talking to other people about it. And that's how all of this sort of began to become a place of acceptance and self-love. And it takes time, so be patient with yourself.
0: That's beautiful. Can you walk us through the process on how you found those support groups?
1: Yeah, so um, Facebook-wise, I pretty much just Googled like Trick support page and there's a few out there. Um, they are a lot of people out there and there's you know a lot of different types of content, but they are good starting places. Um, and occasionally you'll see like a post where it's like, you know, post where you're from and you'll see like, Oh, everyone's from Texas, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) Instagram, you know, just going through the hashtags is really helpful. Um, and you know, you on your, your page post a lot of people with trichotillomania and their stories. So that's a really great way to get connected with other people, seeing all the people that Barbara posts in terms of like in-person or virtual support groups. Um, the trichotillomania. TLC BFRB, they have the learning center for BFRBs. Um, they have an online resource page where you can find virtual support groups and then also um, in-person support groups. I don't know who's doing in-person support groups right now, but um, there have been a lot that a lot of virtual support groups. So you don't necessarily have to be linked to a city or feel like you know you have to find time on a Wednesday to do it. Um, that allows you to to meet with other people. So I would definitely check out those resources. Um, then yeah. That's great.
0: Now you have been to some of TLC's BFRB conferences.
1: Can you share maybe about the first one you went to? I've actually only ever been to one. So I've known about them for years. And it really wasn't until last year. So I guess 2019. Um, I went to a mini one after that too. But like for the big ones, um, (laughs) that was the first one I had gone to. And at that place, you know, at that time, I sort of thought to myself, like, you know, I'm really sort of at a place where I know a lot. I'm kind of like secured my trichotillomania. I know what I need to do. And I was kind of going thinking like, it's just gonna be really nice to meet a lot of people. And like, that was completely wrong. I mean, like, it is so incredible to meet so many people with trichotillomania and so openly. I mean, like, you know, I feel like we, yes, we talk about it, but maybe we still wear our wigs or maybe we still put on makeup. And it's just, like, it's fun to see people all ages, like, kids running around without wigs on. Like, it's just, like, adults running. It's, like, just to be so openly embraced and feel so comfortable and just know that everyone around you understands, even if maybe they're not a hair puller, they're a skin picker, just to have some concept of, like, what you're going through. It's just a place of, like, love and support um, and just making sure that you understand that, you know, there's, you know, they have a lot of... Um, like yoga things and um you know fidget toys and what's the newest thing you could do to sort of like help curb some of your urges. But then they also have a whole section on like research. Like this is where we are with BFRB research. So it's kind of like I mean like a Disney world for all things BFRB. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, you know hopefully when everything settles, you know, we back I haven't been to one um, and I, I can't wait. Barbara <laughs> I know missing out I can't I can't wait to go Um, so when you when you have those irresistible urges and you kind of get in the zone I know I I definitely do what are some ways that you kind of snap out of it
1: a few different things um, have helped me and I would say that what I do has changed over the years Um, but for me right now um, I would say that my biggest area of pulling is my scalp so I find that even when I'm home I might have the urge to like take off my wig and like, you know, then all of a sudden my hands are in my hair and I'm pulling. So at that moment I'm like, Doreen, put on your wig, like put on your wig. It's, you know, they say one of the things is like for scout pullers is like, put on a hat. Well, I can also just put on, you know, a hat with a lot of gorgeous hair at the end of it. (laughs) So um, putting on a wig is definitely one. One that I actually learned from a really, really, really sweet girl in the kids' trichotillomania support group, which sounds a little bizarre, but is really helpful is to put a piece of like ice on your scalp wherever you feel the urge, sort of like a sensory thing. Um, I don't know how that would work with like, you know, around the face for eyelash and eyebrow pullers, but it really helps me. Um, and it kind of like, you know, switches the sensation that you might be feeling on your scalp. Mm-hmm. And I would say the biggest one for me is I have always been someone where if I grow accustomed to Pulling out my hair in a certain location, like sitting in front of a certain mirror, sitting in a chair in front of a mirror, sitting on a part of the sofa, then I will continue to pull there. So, like when I was in college, I would, you know, I didn't pull a lot, but when I would go home, I would find myself like in front of the mirror, just like I had done when I was a kid, like pulling, 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 pulling. Mm -hmm. So, for me, changing location is huge. So if I find myself, like, in front of a mirror or sitting on a sofa or pulling on a chair, then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I need to go somewhere else. And, like, I know it's hard. i lived in studio apartments where it's like you're staring at all of your space. Mm-hmm. Like, like, stepping outside, moving to the other part of the apartment, for me, that's super helpful.
0: That's wonderful. Now, you said you started pulling at... Four years old, and then eventually in second grade with your hair. Have you always worn wigs, or did you not before? How did you How did you get to that process of wearing wigs?
1: Oh, I have not. Um, the last time I had a full head of hair was the summer after third grade. Um, so. I would say for the most part, I was able to like, you know, do a comb over or like clip my hair in a certain way up until I would say about the seventh grade. And then at that place, I needed to wear a headband every single day. So it was just sort of like a little headband in the front and then slowly over the years, it got bigger and bigger until pretty much it was like a bandana, you know? Mm -hmm. So at that point I was in the 10th grade and that was when my mom was like, let's find you someone so that we can figure out other hair solutions because you know, I speak to other people who have um, have come in wearing, like, headbands for years and years and years. And, it, I mean, headbands are great, and they're really fun accessories, and I'm finally feeling like I can start to get back into them. But, like, when you have to match every single outfit you have to a headband, it's like, okay, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, I started wearing hair in in, a de- in 2010, and at that point, I was wearing, like, an integrated mesh system. So, it was, like, bonded to my head, but with it was sewn in. And... um I would say I wore that for maybe five or six years or so, and then probably about four or five years, I eventually transitioned over to wigs when I was in cosmetology school. A lot of the women who were around me were also wearing wigs, and they were like, just give it a try, see how it works, and um, I've been wearing wigs ever since. And love it, and especially for me, I because I've been pulling for so long, and I think just because of the way that I, I pulled, um, I actually have some scarring alopecia in some areas of my scalp, so like I don't have any hair like on this side of my scalp, and I know mm-hmm. from years of it not coming back that it won't, so mm-hmm. it's the best option for me because you know this toppers cover up this, but I need a little help over here too. Mm-hmm. So
0: there are so many different ways you can have hair. Um, you know, mentioning the topper and, like, the sew-in. Because you're in that industry, can you tell us, like, the different ways if we, you know, had different patches? How could you, um, you know, manage
1: that with the different pieces? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess there's three or four different major areas of, like, hair extensions, alternative hair. Um, so there's, like, traditional extensions as we know them, which is sort of, like, the most common, like, with either, like, Clip-ins or sew-ins and those are meant to sort of start like around here and then go down so you can either like get a few that you clip in or have them sewn in and that's really meant to give you um A lot of density down here. So if you find yourself pulling from areas that are maybe like below the top of your head and want to just fill in some density through here, that's a really great way to to go. I will say that I know some tricksters who do really well with traditional extensions, and those can be bonded to either clipped in or bonded to your hair with things like sewing. you could use keratin extensions, beaded extensions, there's a lot of different ways now. Um, But I will say that I had those done and in my experience and a few other tricksters experience, um, it puts a lot of pressure on the individual strands of your head and that can be a little triggering for some people. Um, Having said that, they are the most like mainstream form of extensions out there. So for a lot of people that is like their entry point into the world of extensions. And I do know tricksters who have done well with them. I just personally didn't have a great experience, um, so that's one form of extensions. The next would be the topper family, um, and so toppers come in different sizes. They can be like just as small as like covering up the part on your hair, or cover up the entire top, or they can pretty much go down to like three quarters of a cap. Just anything before you hit like a full head, which is going to be a wig. Mm-hmm. So, toppers have come a long way in the past few years, um, and there's different forms of them. You know, lace and silk. Um, and they're a really great option for people who want to continue using their own bio hair as much as possible. So for like when I started wearing hair that was super important to me that I still felt like I had a lot of my own bio hair out and showing so I could be like proud of it and show it off in that way. So toppers are really fantastic for that. Depending on how you clip them or maybe if you were like me and had them you know sewn into your head um, they might take a little bit of work and it may not be like a perfect color texture match um just because you are showing your own bio hair and obviously what you're buying in a topper is not you know your own hair on a topper Mm -hmm. Um, then the next family is going to be wigs which is what I've been wearing for a few years now and I love wigs I actually call it like my little hair jail because I can't get to my own bio hair underneath but Mm -hmm. a wig is covers up all of your own your own hair um wigs have come a long way i know that you know there sort of used to be like this really negative connotation surrounding wigs that you know oh you know a wig um (laughs) i will say that like wigs have come a long way and can look really 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 natural um so that is the next one and then the last one is going to be bonded systems so that would be um where it can be different sizes but essentially it's just something that's bonded to your head so my wig i take off every night a bonded system would be kept on my head for a sustained period of time
0: mm-hmm. and how how do you actually bond it to your
1: head So there's a few different ways either use um like i said like carrot or beads or sewing it or um, a lot of the work that I do with the specific system that I have um, I work with in the salon um, uses medical grade adhesive or things like tapes so like glues or tapes um, which are designed to be um, healthy for the scalp and the hair um, and and for my clients they normally keep it on anywhere between like three to five weeks usually four weeks being the the middle section but in that time period you know they can go swimming they can shower they can work out and like not have to worry about their hair it's just like an extension of them it's just attached to them
0: and that's amazing because you know when i i was missing eyelashes and i completely quit the swim team you know and i i it's so freeing to to have that technology where you can actually swim because that is a big thing um, for a lot of tricksters, you know, going to the hair salon yeah. is very, can be very, very traumatizing. And now there are hair salons. And I believe that your hair salon has individual use instead of having that open floor plan, right, is that you have like special
1: We have, like, our own rooms, um, which is super helpful. Yeah, I remember going to the hair salon as a kid and just being, like, so overwhelmed that, like, you know, my bald spots were, like, on, you know, display for everybody around me. Mm -hmm. So there's – I will say that TLC BFRB on their website also has a find a skin and hair care provider, so you can find people who know about the disorders, and they actually – as part of like filling out the form to be posted as a hairstylist on their website, they will say if they have private rooms or not. So it's just you and the stylist and it's a really intimate, you know, way so that you don't have to feel like it's you and the entire world seeing your bald spots.
0: Right. And I thank you so much for being in that profession and having that, um, you know, accessibility for people because so many times I say, Oh, I got my hair caught in a hairbrush or I had bubble gum. I had to cut it out. And, you know, like we all know, like we both knew that that, But I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable sharing. And I can't imagine if I were to go to someone who actually had trick, I would just tell, you know, I would just tell the truth. I would just own it and and say, Hey, look, you know, this is where I pull from and can we do something about that? So that's, that's, you know, thank you so much for that. Oh, well, thank you, Barbara. Thank you. (laughs) So I have seen on your Instagram page, you have, you know, videos, a series of you speaking with your mother about your trichotillomania.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was something that um, I wanted to do a little over a year ago, maybe uh, two years ago at this point, but I, you know, my mom, I was so young when I started this, my mom was a really integral part into helping me find solutions. And that isn't to say, I don't think that either of us would say that like we were perfect as like part of this journey. Like, you know, there definitely, it was a learning experience for both of us. I mean, she never had had, I was her firstborn. she never had a child that had had pulled out their hair, didn't know what that was like. Mm-hmm. Um, so It was a lot of learning as we went, but I just really wanted to sit down with my mom and sort of talk about what it was like for her having a child with trichotillomania and what it was like for her to have to find those doctors the first moments like when she picked me up from school and she had seen that I'd pulled out part of the hair on my scalp um all of those conversations that I felt like you know now as an adult I felt comfortable having with her um just sort of like looking back on all of that so I am super appreciative for my mom for everything that she did for me Um, and know that I am really lucky to have her as an incredible support system, but I also know that, um, you know, she says, you know, oh my God, she said that she researched trichotillomania online and, you know, back then it was like, you know, the early stages, the early stages of like the web. And she was like, what I found on trichotillomania, if there was anything, she was like, was really, really, really scary for me. Yeah. Like the more positivity, we can, like you said, the more positivity that we can have surrounding this, the better, because yes, it may seem scary at first, but this isn't the end of the road for people. Like this doesn't mean that you are going to have a really terrible life ahead of you. You know, I would think, I think that you and I would both say that like trichotillomania has honestly only like enhanced me as a person. Like it sounds crazy to say, but I feel like I am a better person because I have trichotillomania.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, and I think that it's you know you realize that you know, like you said, you want to talk about it you this is important. I can change people's lives because I have this disorder, and so do so many other people, and I want to be able to share that with them and like like you said, know that they're not alone with that um, and uh, uh, another thing that you said that I liked was you know it's not the, like the end of the world. And when, you know, when we were younger, my mom also looked online. And the, one of the things that she saw was like, you know, your daughter's gonna eat her hair and and you could actually die from that because we can't um, digest our hair. And so it was very scary. And so, like you said, the positivity and just TLC having the list of those resources, find a therapist, find a support group, find a salon where you yeah. that we did not have, you know, we did not have anything like that. And so I'm just so happy for this continuation of spreading awareness and on a separate note, you know, trick is something that we both have, you know, brought us together, but you know, we have now a friendship that stems from other things as well. So what are some things that, you know, you like to do like for fun, what are some hobbies that you have or some things that you would like to share just about you, not even about your trick?
1: Okay. So I feel like all of my hobbies, I probably could tie back to my trick, but, um, Okay, I'll just say that I feel like tricksters, this is like our little secret power that, like, I don't feel like we give ourselves enough credit for, but we have, like, incredible fine motor skills. Like, the fact (laughs) that we pick out hairs amongst a whole bunch of them, like, are you kidding me? Like, our fine motor skills are, like, off the charts. So I feel like a lot of my hobbies kind of surround, like, using my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, with, you know, with COVID, I started, like, baking and cooking more and found some fun recipes. Um, I – a lot of the women in my family – Um, our crocheters and do, like, a lot of yarn stuff, and it's something that we, like, love to share with each other. Like, whenever we get together, we'll bring, like, our yarn and our projects and things like that. So I love to crochet. Um, I love to um, work out. I don't do it as regularly as I would like, but I do make it a point to um, be physical when I can. So if that's even just, like, taking a 20-minute, like, yoga class on YouTube, or I love to, like, walk. I'm not great at running, so I like to walk. Um, and then spending time with my dog. I mean, she is such a blessing to me and I, I'm so lucky to have, you know, I mean, I rescued her, but she like rescued me years ago. So I'm so lucky to have her. So I would say those are a few of my hobbies. Um, yeah.
0: That's great. And I, it's funny, you mentioned the motor skills. One of my favorite things is like, if someone's necklace is tangled up, like, please, I would gladly un- sit there and untangle all your jewelry. Like it's the little things that I, I re- um, and something that I did over, um, the summer, I love the diamond painting. I don't know if you've ever done a diamond painting before, but is that, it's this, it's a, it's a painting, but it's sticky and there's little tiny gemstones that it's like, um, it's kind of like paint by numbers, but you stick a gemstone on it. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> I, I, Like I did so many because it's, and you're, you know, both hands are busy. And so for me, it was like, whoa, this is great. This can keep me occupied forever. But you know, like you said, it, it ties back into, into trick for sure.
1: I definitely have to check that out. I have always, I mean, like, even this past week, I was like, I need to get into drawing and painting. And I have never, ever, ever, ever been good at drawing or painting. But, like, things like that sound so fun because it's, like, you don't need to have, like, an incredible, like, immense talent for things like drawing and painting, you know? So I'll definitely check that out, Barbara. Yes, it's fun. So I think, and, oh,
0: thank you. Um, Ashley said something about winged eyeliner. So, yes, also doing makeup all the time you can probably attest to this, you know, with me missing my eyelashes. I'm constantly doing the liquid eyeliner. Do you feel like you have a special talent in that too? Because I feel
1: pretty good. Which that I do it. I would not say I have a talent. Definitely still the like cousins, not sisters, not twins situation. And actually, like in COVID, <laughs> I um didn't put my eyelash. Like I used to wear my eyelashes every single day and like for years and it was I actually felt like it was really helpful for me to not pull out my eyelashes and I think it's part of the reason I was able to get a full set of lashes because you know I don't want to be you know 12 noon away from my house and like yank off my eyelashes accidentally <laughs> um, but I stopped putting on my eyelashes during quarantine and like now I struggle to put them back on like <laughs> I used to be able to do it like in the dark and now it's like I can't even do it and I have clients who are makeup artists, and I, like, envy their talents. Um, but, yes, I do do a liquid eyeliner, but definitely not as talented as you, Barbara. <laughs> I, can't yeah. you, I can't do a I'm going to tell I can't do a wing. so. <laughs> I
0: try. I, at some point, I because I always, you know, this is a little side note, but, you know, I, I would wake up late for school, and in high school, that was when I constantly wore the liquid eyeliner, and I would be in the car, you know, stopping and, and <laughs> trying to put this You know, I felt like I needed it. You know, I really... At that time in my life, I felt as though I really, I needed to wear it because I could not have people, um, like, you know, see, like, see what, you know, what I was missing. But, you know, over, over, you know, um, the quarantine, I also didn't wear any big eyelashes, but I found that I, you know, I pulled all my eyelashes out. You know, my, my ment, my mindset was no one's going to see me anyway. And I let myself... You know kind of have free reign
1: like did did you you know experience something similar yeah so for me it wasn't my eyelashes it was my scalp and um i don't know why i don't know why but i i mean i don't know why it wasn't my eyelashes but i my scalp pulling this year last year was the worst it's ever been and i pulled from areas i've never pulled from in my entire life like i started pulling here then i pulled here that's been for years. I have never pulled from this side of my head. And last year, I nearly pulled it all out. So I um, I mean, I can say it was for a lot of different reasons, like stress, being at home, having a lot of time, like all things which I just know are not great for my trichotillomania. Um, but yes, definitely. last year, And a lot of my clients are coming and saying the same thing, saying last year was really hard for me with my trich, Last year was really hard for me with my BFRB um so I think in those moments we need to remind ourselves like be patient be Mm -hmm. kind a part of our journey we know that this like waxes and wanes um and yes we still I mean honestly still I still feel like I'm trying to get all of that kind of under control I think we talked about this like a few weeks ago but like I had a moment where I was just like okay you like you're back at work you're kind of back in your normal schedule like time Mm -hmm. to get a little control. Like, I still feel like I'm getting into that place. But like, this is something that ebbs and flows. And we just have to be patient and know that it's like, we're, you know, or maybe riding the roller coaster right now. Mm -hmm. In
0: one of your videos with your mom, you spoke about seeing a therapist that asked you the question, do you want to stop? And your response to that was really powerful. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I started in therapy when pretty much the second that I started pulling from my scalp. So from second grade to the 12th grade, I was in therapy pretty much the entire time. And I saw a few different therapists over the years. And it wasn't until the one where I was in high school, um, where we had, you know, at that point, you know, we tried pretty much like everything that you can throw at trichotillomania. And he was kind of just like, do you even really want to stop pulling out your hair? And it was, you know, no therapist had ever asked me that before. So it was kind of like this moment of like, okay, you know, I thought I'm here so I can stop pulling. I thought I'm here so I can get this under control so I can, you know, curb my urges and things like that. Wait, do I really want to stop pulling? And I, I feel like that sort of, that question was one of those things that like transformed the way that I think about my trichotillomania. And a lot of it was sort of me coming to the realization that because I started pulling so young, I don't know myself without my trichotillomania. So the thought of stopping to pull was really, really scary for me. It's like, who would I be if I didn't have my trichotillomania? Mm -hmm. So I would say that a few years later, as I was like beginning to think about these things, and especially as I started, like went back to cosmetology school and things like that, I realized that like, yes, let's say one day, I stopped pulling out my hair. To say that, you know, trichotillomania is no longer a part of me is not honoring the part of my life for so many years where I had trichotillomania. So I really need to make sure that like, I'm honoring that part of myself, honoring that part of my story, even if I stop pulling to say that I don't have trichotillomania is not accurate.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something about the idea that when, you know, when I was younger too, I, we went through a lot of uh, cognitive behavior therapy to try to stop. And you mentioned something about the idea that you have to kind of breeds that shame that we already are feeling. Would you like to speak more about that?
1: Yeah, so I think, do you mean by like this sort of, uh, like the you, the fact that you have to stop pulling means that like somehow there's something wrong with you if you do, if you do control? Hmm. Yeah, so I think that the emphasis Yeah. So I would say that for a lot of the therapy that I had, a lot of the emphasis was like, how can we get you to stop pulling? How can we get you to do XYZ? And all that was doing was putting emphasis on like trichotillomania is bad. Trichotillomania is not what you should be doing. And you know, you think about that, and then you think about the hours that you spend pulling, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? I'm doing something bad. Am I a bad person? And I think, especially when you're young, you're sort of like developing your sense of identity, you're developing your sense of like who you are as a person. And so, it can be really scary to sort of like intermingle a lot of those things together. So, I think rather than focusing on like, you know, and I'm not saying that that you know, that all of therapy is bad or there isn't a place for all of it, but rather than focusing on like, you know, you need to stop pulling. There needs to be sort of like this more like holistic approach. And I do think that, you know, the therapy that we had when we were kids years ago, I think that therapy has come a long way, but I do also think that like not every therapy will be like that. So it's just important to know if you are sort of trapped in this, like I need to stop pulling. I'm a bad person. If I pull, like, Mm -hmm. there's more to that, you know, there's more, we need to get into the sense of like self-love, self-acceptance, like, honoring the small achievements, honoring that it is a part of you and that's okay. And there's a lot of great benefits that come from having trichotillomania.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think I had something right on my, <laughs> right i my about this. Um, yes. When you are told, you know, you have to stop, you have to stop. There are like, there's an app that I actually um, downloaded at one point to track it. And at one, And for a few days, it was great. Just like everything that, you know, we've always tried for a while, it seems to work, but then it starts to slip. And so I noticed myself, I would pull a hair and I say, oh, it's just one, I'm not gonna track that I did it. And I'm like, that's, you know, now it's not working anymore. And and it made me feel bad um, when I tracked my hair pulling because I'm like, oh, I really don't want to break the streak. But instead I should feel, you know, hey, I've had some really great days. You know, this is just a different day. Instead of having that, um, that feeling of guilt where you can actually see, Oh, I pulled this many days a month, you know, and it works for some people. Some people do like to track and that's amazing. And I'm proud of them. and I'm happy for them. Um, but that's just something that didn't work for me.
1: No, the same, same here. And I actually have, you know, in the new year, I've started working, I've tried out bullet journaling. So we're like day what, five, six into this. So I, see tbd on whether this works or not but um i was thinking like how can i incorporate like my tickets into this and i was like well i haven't had a pull free day in years so if i say that every time i pull i'm going to mark it on my calendar and the entire year will be filled up if we're looking at the past however many years of my life so yeah. it it's it's hard it's really hard to like think through that stuff and you know I when I posted about um like my eyelashes and getting a full set like that doesn't mean that I don't pull out my eyelashes anymore I have a few moments where I pull out a few but for the most and sometimes I even gap them a little bit Mm -hmm. and I oh my gosh what did I just do but like no 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 you've you've had a little bit of achievement. Maybe it feels like a little bit of a setback, but like, let's not focus on that. Like, let's move on to the next moment. We can't keep living in the past of like the hairs pulled, the moments where things were done. Like, let's move forward and try again. Mm-hmm.
0: And in my experience, I, like you, I've had moments where it seems like everything's together, but that's only because I'm not focusing on one area. I know for me, if I start pulling... my hair my eyelashes and i go to one area over and over again i know that you know i'm going through a moment with this because sometimes i can you know pull a little here a little here and there is no visible gap and i know my trick is coming back in its wave when i go back to that spot over and over and then and then i deal with that again um you know i think you know it's so so important that we are talking about this i'm so grateful that you have been on, it's been such a pleasure. You know, is there anything else you'd like
1: to say to the Trickster community before we wrap up? Um, Well, first, I want to thank you again, because this has been so much fun. I mean, I love chatting with you, Trichotillomania or not. I love chatting with you, Barbara. Um, But, yeah, I mean, thank you again for amplifying trick voices. And, I mean, your page is so incredible and, like, getting to share people's stories and see how similar and not similar we all are. But it's just a place where we can feel celebrated and feel like our story matters. And I think that's so, so, so important. Um, I would say along the same lines, like, if you feel like you're struggling with trichotillomania, if you don't know anyone else who has trichotillomania, especially as we like navigate this like COVID world where a lot of things are moving virtually, like try and find people online um, and reach out to them and like find your community. Because honestly, I, I really honestly believe that like, the thing that has helped my trichotillomania the most is feeling like I'm not alone and feeling like I have a community and feeling like there are others out there who understand what I'm going through.
0: Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Doran, And it's been a pleasure and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Barbara. Have a good night. Thank you too. Thank you everyone who came to watch. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye.